Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Yeah, we want to make sure that the Ottomans have a good time away and, and celebrate their, their eldest son, Derek, as he graduates from college. And let's just pray a blessing over them real quickly. Lord, uh, we thank you for the Ottoman family. We thank you for all that they give to this church and leadership and support and counsel. And we pray right now that you would bless them as they are celebrating Derek, Lord. Uh, thank you for their lives. Thank you for Derek. We pray that this, this time of, of commencement is a blessing for him and for the entire family, Lord. Keep them safe in their travels back to us. Uh, Lord, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, good morning. I am happy to be back with you. It's been a while since I've been up here, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to be back. And it's a great occasion. We are celebrating baptisms today, and the, I, it's, it's kind of like coming back after a long time. This is the best way to, to start out. And so I, I love these days. Um, it's, it really just is a, a powerful and encouraging testimony when someone chooses to proclaim their faith in Christ. I love it. And so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Choice, I think, is a very significant thing. You know, the, the freedom to, to do what we want, um, you know, makes this a powerful day when it comes to baptisms. It's, it's a powerful celebration. There are uh, many things that we can choose to follow uh, and choose to do apart from our faith. So when we make the choice to say, I am standing with Christ, I'm giving my life to him, I surrender all of it to him, it becomes a really powerful thing. In fact, to me, it's, it's kind of emotional and I don't want to become emotional today because that would be embarrassing. And so what I want to do is I want to take us in a different direction to begin with. Um, when I think of choice, I think of a game that I used to play in middle school. And I, I bet you some of you, I venture a guess, most of you have probably played this game. It's called Would You Rather. Uh, anybody ever played this game? Okay. So it would, it would kind of go like this. You know, you have to pick between two things. Would you rather have a hot cup of coffee in the morning or a glass of orange juice, right? You know, I mean, it, it was... It, Seems kind of innocuous unless you had some, you know, really mean friends and, and then that choice became significantly harder to, to make. And you had to make the choice. I mean, there, there was no way around it. You know, you had to choose. Are you going to jump off the Empire State Building and land on a bicycle with no seat or are you going to slide down a razor blade slide and land into a pool of lemon juice? Okay. How many of you had friends like me when you were in middle school? Right. Yeah. Okay, good. I wasn't the only one. All right. Um, well, okay. Today we're, we're going, um, we're going to play this game. And, uh, so if you've never played, you're going to get a chance to today. This is going to be fun. You're going to, you're going to sit next to your neighbor and you're going to make a choice of, of what you would rather do. And you don't have to give a reason why, you know, this is, the game isn't, would you rather and why it's just, would you rather? Okay. And, and, uh, so you're going to tell your neighbor what choice you'd rather do. And, um, we're going to start off kind of easy. Okay. So here's the first one. Would you rather find true love, uh, or have $10 million? Huh? That's tough. I don't know. I picked true love. <laughs> That's right. All right. Okay. Would you rather, would you rather 
go on your dream vacation all alone or spend a week with your favorite person in your hometown? Huh? It's tough, right? Okay. Here's another one. Would you rather be famous or be the best friend of a famous person? You got to think about that one because there's some benefits to being a best friend, but there's also some benefits to being famous, right? You think about that. Okay. Here's a, this one's a little bit more difficult. Um, would you rather have hiccups for the rest of your life <laughs> or feel like you have to sneeze, but you can't for the rest of your life? I don't know. Hiccup. I don't know. I don't know which one's worse. You gotta. Uh, this is one. Here's one that my my kids helped me come up with. Would you rather live in a world where huge, friendly gummy bears walk around? That'd be pretty cool, right? You just like because they're friend friendly. You could probably take a bite out of them and a little snack. Hey, give me that toe. Um, or. Or would you rather live in a world where hoverboards like the ones from Back to the Future actually exist? Ah, I don't know. Gummy bear, really cool skateboard. I don't... Okay, okay. Last one, last one. Would you rather be stranded on a deserted island all by yourself... Or with another person, this person is um, very good looking, okay? They have an awesome personality, but they're also a serial killer. I don't know. Some of you are like, well, all alone, I'm still with a serial killer. I'm going to choose. No win in that one. You know, the good thing about the serial killers are like, you, you know, they've got a great personality. They're good looking. You know, you got a lot to talk about. They're easy to look at, all that kind of stuff. But you always want to know where they are. Like, you know, don't sneak up on me. Right? Okay. All right. So choices. That's what we're talking about today. Choices. So, some of, some of these choices, they could be really hard. Um, I mean, you know, who wants to really have to decide? No one, no one wants to. And, and spiritually speaking, uh, let's make a jump back into the church here. Um, th- this is kind of like being given the choice to live life the way you want without any guidance at all or to submit to the authority of someone else. I mean, both of those can be very scary choices to have to make. On your own, you may or may not make good decisions. But under the authority of someone else, uh, you know, knowing that they're going to make decisions for you, I mean, that, that could be frightening. It, it can almost be paralyzing. And, and, and with faith, um, this is the very question that we have to answer. Will we choose to follow our own path or will we submit to Jesus Christ. Submission comes at a cost, uh, but it does have benefits for us. And, and this leads us really to baptism. One of the last things that Jesus commanded his people to do in Matthew chapter 28 was to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a command that Jesus gave to his followers. He, he, he speaks here in Matthew 28 with the imperative voice. He says, go, make, and baptize. This is what you do if you're a follower of Jesus. Therefore, we're called 
to this behavior of baptism. And, and as followers of Jesus, I mean, this is what we're told to do. Not only to be baptized, which we're going to get to in a minute, but also to go and baptize others. So, so what is it exactly that we're really talking about this morning? Baptism. You know, why, why choose baptism? What does it even mean? Um, why does the church practice this? Why do they do it like they do? Why does Jesus command it? These are all really great questions. And for those of you who've been baptized, you might be sitting here thinking, oh, we're going to spend 45 more minutes talking about this. I'm just kidding. It's not going to be 45. I promise. Um, it's Jeremy, not Ross, okay? All right. This is not being recorded, right? Okay. Um, I'm just joking. Oh, I'm going to get told on. No, I know, I know, I know. Learning about baptism, though, can, can feel a little bit like um, drudgery, but, but trust me, I, I'm, I'm going to try and make this exciting. Even as I was preparing, I, I was just getting stirred thinking about the things that, that are going on in the text that we're going to read about today. So I'm going to take a risk today, and I'm going to see if I can draw out your curiosity um, from this Matthew 3 text that explains Jesus' baptism. So we're going to read this together. The, the words are going to be on the screen. If you'll follow along with me, don't read along. Just read the screen. Um, because I'm, I'm probably going to stop throughout the text and just explain some of um, my thinking and my thoughts as we go on. So Matthew chapter 3, if you want to follow along with me. If you have your Bibles, I do encourage you to open them up and maybe take notes and underline some stuff. We're going to start in verse 1. In the days of John the Baptist. All right, I'm already going to stop. Okay, all right. That was quick. Um, Okay, John the Baptist. This is an interesting thing. We're talking about baptism. The fact that this guy's name is Baptist means something. He's he's given this name for a significant reason. And I I don't know if if you guys are anything like me, but I used to always wonder why. Why why, why is his name Baptist? Was that his last name? You know, like... I don't know. Um, anyway, and I'm, I'm going to explain a little bit more about that. But, but be thinking, why John the Baptist? Why John the Baptist? All right, let's move on. John the Baptist. He appeared in the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is of the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. This dude was different, okay? Like, whoa. Um, oh, all right, he, you know, not your run-of-the-mill preacher, right? But the, he was so good at his job. Like, people came to listen to this guy. They probably look at him and go, what? But they heard his words, and they were powerful. Anyway, verse 5. Um, Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all of the region along the Jordan. And they were baptizing, uh, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. All right, I'm going to stop right here. This is an announcement. And so I hope you have a pen and some paper because I want you to write this down. We're about to do a a series um, starting on May 15th called Courageous Choices. And what uh, we're going to discuss is something about the Jordan River and how the Hebrew people had to cross it to get into the promised land. And I can't wait for this upcoming series. It has so much to do with what's going on right here. That's the reason I'm bringing it up. The fact that John the Baptist is in the, the Jordan River is very important for us. 
We're going to talk more about it and the miracles that happened there. And, and so I just want you to mark your calendars, May 15th, for the start of that series, Courageous Choices. Once again, we're talking about choice, uh, but it is, it's going to be a sweet series. You're going to love it. You don't want to miss a single week of it. So anyway, just write that down, put it in your iPhone, on your calendar, May 15th, be at church, be at church, be at church, Courageous Choices. Verse 7. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He's talking about this story in Joshua chapter 3. And we're gonna, we're gonna, May 15th, just come. It's gonna be so good. That's all I'm saying. Alright, okay. Um, whew. In fact, if you wanna do a little bit of research going up to it, go read Joshua 3 and then read Matthew 3 and see how these two stories compare. Um, particularly when he talks about raising up, you know, um, Abraham from these stones. Like, whoa! John the Baptist was a real dude. Okay, verse 11. I don't think I'm going to stop anymore, so I'm just going to keep going through, all right? No more interruptions. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather um, his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And then we come to the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him. He didn't want that. Saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered to him, let it be so now. For it is proper for us to do it this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to make him, or opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Whoa. And I know what I'm about to say, so I know why I'm saying whoa. (laughs) But... This is such a cool story. I mean, the interactions between John and the Pharisees and John and Jesus and Jesus and the rest of the Trinity. This story is so awesome. Whoa. Anyway, let me, let me just pray for us um, as we move on. Heavenly Father, come. Holy Spirit, come. Let us celebrate Jesus. Let us learn about his life and his ministry and this time when he submitted to you, God. Submitted to your authority in obedience. Speak to us, we pray this morning. Amen. All right. 
So we're going to start with this word baptized. Now, I'm sure everyone here knows that the, the New Testament wasn't written in English, right? Like, it wasn't. Like, pff, it didn't just come to us this way. That'd be really simple. Uh, but it, it didn't happen. It was actually written in Greek and Aramaic. And then some dudes, you know, like back in the 14th or so century, uh, they translated. There were some earlier texts that were translated into Latin in about 7th century. Um, but, you know, they, they started translating it into the, to the Old English. And, and basically what they would do is they would, they would take a word in the Greek... And then they would, they would give the English counterpart to it. But there were some words that just didn't translate. They didn't have meaning for it. And baptize is one of these words, okay? They, there, there was no real understanding of, of what it was. And so what they would do is they would transliterate the word. And so what they would do is they would, they would take the Greek letter. Let me show you what the Greek word baptism looks like. Um, boo, there it is. It was really hard for me to get that font to work, by the way. So, whew, that was like three hours of my week right there. All right. So this is the Greek word, um, baptisma. Okay, if anyone reads Greek, I don't really read Greek. I'm not a scholar. Um, if anyone reads Greek, correct me later. Just don't do it now. Um, okay, so the way this works is the first letter is a beta, a B. And so they, you know, made B and then alpha, A, pi, P, you know, all the way through. So they basically made the word baptism. So whenever something like what was happening in Matthew chapter 3 occurred, they would just use the word baptism there instead of what it actually means. In the Greek, this word means to immerse, to dip, to plunge, to wash, to all these different kinds of things. Um, uh, but, but there were times when it just didn't make sense just to use, you know, and then John plunged Jesus into the Jordan River. It didn't make sense, right? And so they said, no, this is baptism. And, and so that's what they, they word, or th- that's what they, they used. And, and, um, there are other moments in the New Testament when we do have the word, Greek word baptized translated to immerse, to dip, to plunge, to sink, and all that kind of other stuff. And they use those words there. Um, but not all the time. So this is kind of where it gets interesting. You're like, what? Come on, Jeremy. So the question, hopefully, that you asked yourself earlier is that then why would John have the title Baptist? You know, what, what's different uh, about him? And if you ever did ask that question any time when we were reading this text, go ahead and give your pat on the back. Give yourself a pat on the back because that's a good question to ask. And everyone should be doing it because I know you all ask that question. Why John the Baptist? Anyway, this is, this is really what was, was happening here. See, the practice of baptism was something that was very common back in Jesus' day. In fact, way before that. The, the earliest instance that we have of it comes in the Old Testament in Genesis 35 verse 2. Okay, this is how the text reads. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves. That word purify is the equivalent of the Greek word baptize, although in this text it's actually Hebrew, which is tahare, uh, but it's the same word. So um, uh, purify yourselves and change your clothes. Now tahare, the Hebrew word for purify, means to make clean or to wash. Uh, this is this is where baptize comes from, and they ultimately mean the same thing. In the Old Testament, to become tahare, you would have to undergo this ceremonial washing service, similar to what um, Jews now call a mikvah. Okay, I'm not I'm not like super smart in all of the Jewish stuff. I just know that this exists, and this is a, a ceremony to purify oneself in preparation for something. 
The mikvah, let me say that again, is a ceremony to purify oneself in preparation for something, often to be made right before God. It was a cleansing of the spirit. It was a repentance of sorts. It was something that all followers of God did, and the priests especially. They were required to do this ceremonial cleansing, this tahari, before they were anointed to do the tasks of the priest. It was a ceremony meant to symbolize contrition of heart, of repentance, of turning from other actions and old ways. It was a turning toward God. And, and this, is, this is something that was always done in preparation for an encounter with God. And if someone went into the ceremony without true contrition of heart, if they weren't actually repentant, then it was completely useless. Which actually brings us back then to the text in Matthew, Matthew 3, because this is precisely why John was saying to the Pharisees, repent, repent, repent. He kept saying it to them. He was saying, repent. Do it. Bear fruit worthy of a contrite heart. And, and, and don't just do the ceremony of purification, of tahare, of baptism. You need to live it out. John is calling out the Pharisees for behavior that is not fitting of someone who is truly following God. He's saying, act on what you believe. John is calling them out for their religious behavior, for, for simply going through the motions. Their faith, quote, faith, was not transferring into their hearts. It wasn't real. Now here at Quest, um, we measure success in a couple of ways. Okay, One of the things uh, that we measure is how many baptisms that we do in any given year. And John is addressing something that we also have to address here at Quest. Um, it can be quite uncomfortable, to be honest. You know, he, he's John is saying if your faith in God isn't real, then and if it's not life transformative, there like if you're not bearing the fruit of your faith, then um, baptism is not the thing that you need to be doing. It, it's not real. It doesn't matter. So so imagine if you're me, working for Quest, you're measured by how many baptisms you are, right? You're telling someone you're not ready for this, like. You, you, you say you are, you think you want to do it, um, but you're not really a follower of Jesus. You're not bearing that kind of fruit. You're not ready for baptism. I mean, in your mind, right, you know success is measured in how many baptisms you do, but then you go and say, no, you're not ready. The reason that we do that, we draw a line, we make that kind of comment or statement, it is because we understand that this whole thing, baptism, it matters. Where our heart is matters. John knew that where the Pharisee's heart was mattered. And, and, and how we have chosen to surrender to God, to, to Jesus, how we live our life as a result matters, right? Because the step of baptism and particularly the way that we do it, it's done like it is for this reason. See, John is given the name Baptist on purpose. His mom and dad didn't name him that. This wasn't just some title. It wasn't his last name. In in fact, um, when you read about John the Baptist in that Greek word, the only place we ever find his name like that is in Christian texts. No other texts talk about it. This is why he was named this way. He didn't start the Baptist denomination. This is kind of what I'm trying to say. Like, that's not what, okay. Oh, I better get into that one because John baptized Jesus. I don't know. Get out of this vineyard, church. 
John was named that way because it was his reputation. He was doing something different than everybody else. Something that not, had not been done before this way. See, purification rituals were something that were done in private. Jacob told his household to go and purify themselves on their own. Go to your bathroom and purify yourself is basically what he's saying. And it makes sense because it was something that was prescribed to do without clothing. And I don't know about you, but I don't want people watching me take a bath. And and I really don't want to watch some other people take a bath, right? I mean, like, do it on your own. And, And there was only one exception, and that was when someone was there, some kind of a priest was there to to confirm that there was no barrier between the water and the skin. But that was it. Other than that, it was this private thing that was done. But then John comes in Matthew 3 proclaiming right out of the wilderness in front of everyone to see and hear. This is the way of the Lord. And then he's performing baptisms, this baptism ordinance, right in public. Outdoors, in the river, right? It had never been done this way before. See, John, he he must have been someone special um, because people heard his preaching, they came to him, and they wanted to be cleansed, including Pharisees and Sadducees, and 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 they're right there in the middle of the river, and and he's saying, "Come, repent, be cleansed, be made ready for the coming of the King." And all of a sudden, this ceremony is now this very public thing. Baptism forever has been changed. It became a proclamation of one's allegiance to Christ. A proclamation that they had chosen a new direction in life. That they had now turned away from whatever other path they were on and now they're choosing to follow Jesus. They were turning towards the Messiah. And then Jesus comes. Jesus comes to John. And John is surprised in this moment. We don't really see that in the text, but he had to be, right? You know, he knows that he's not worthy. He's not worthy to guide Jesus through this ceremony. And so he wants Jesus to baptize him. And and John is like in this moment of humble deference to Jesus. But then Jesus like does this, you know, Jedi mind trick on him and humbly defers to John. No, you baptize me. It wasn't like that, but. So this is such a cool picture at the end of Matthew chapter 3. There's all this humility and surrender. No one wanted to be in the spotlight. That's not what it was about. It wasn't about egos. It was all about surrender. It was about modeling a life of sacrifice. See, baptism is about this moment of this contrition of heart, a repentance of sins. You know, what, what sin... Think about this. What sin does Jesus have to repent of? I mean, he never sinned in his life. But he is repenting on behalf of all of us. All of the sins that he's soon going to endure death on a cross for. The sins that everyone has ever committed or ever will commit. The sins of of me and the sins of you and everyone else. And Jesus submits to the Father. He chooses surrender He chooses humility. And as he lays back into that water and he immerses himself into this full surrender to God, something transpires. Something happens. As he rises out of that watery pit, the heavens open up 
And the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove and he's anointed. He's anointed for the ministry that he is soon about to begin. And the Father speaks his love over his Son. With the surrender of Jesus, with his surrender, he was blessed. He was anointed. He was made ready for ministry. When we, followers of Jesus, go down into the waters of baptism, we, too, are raised with the same glory of Christ. We, too, are anointed in the very same way that Jesus was anointed for ministry. And don't miss this quest. I mean, this is, this is awesome. In the very same way that Jesus experienced anointing and blessing, we too experience it when we choose to surrender to Christ in baptism. Every Christian in this room can get excited about this, right? Right? Because it means one of two things. Either you have already um, surrendered to, to Jesus in baptism and you've been made ready. You've been anointed by the Holy Spirit for the ministry that he has, he has called you to. Or it means that you still have yet. You still have yet to surrender to him in baptism. And then you get to be made ready for the ministry that he's calling you to. Every Christian is called to be baptized. Real clear. Does it mean that we're not saved if we don't get baptized? No. No, baptism is not what saves us. Faith in Jesus is what saves us. But baptism initiates our ministry for the kingdom. And the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit comes in baptism. It is to anoint us, to bless us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he does that when we submit in obedience to the surrender of Christ, when we choose to get baptized. It descends on us like a dove, and he anoints us with the gifts that we need for the calling that we have. None of us should want to miss out on that blessing. None of us should want to miss out on that anointing. When we surrender to Jesus in baptism, as we are called to, Jesus pours onto us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it. I've seen people come up out of that water, and I can't explain it. There's no real words that, that, kind of, that can capture it. But something has changed. Something is different. And I know that the Holy Spirit is working in that moment. Something transpires in the spiritual realm and life is different for that person. Each of us, as followers of Jesus, have something to offer the body of Christ. Great and amazing things. All of us. And when the Holy Spirit anoints us for ministry, something is unleashed in us. Powerful things. Gifts that can be used to expand the kingdom. Gifts that can bring the good news of Jesus to a dark and hurting world. Gifts that can propel us as the body of Christ to do his work. To bring love, justice, and mercy to the people around us. To build up the body of Christ. These things are given to us as opportunities to do by the Holy Spirit. Why would we choose anything else? So I've got to ask you this question. How many of you have been walking with God? But you haven't taken the step to be baptized. I mean, is that you? Because if so, I want to challenge you this morning to, to come forward. To get risky. To, even though you weren't planning on it, to submit to baptism. 
See, there, there are three things that I think are very important for us to consider in regards to baptism. One is um, that your baptism is the very best opportunity for you to share your faith with the people around you. And, and I would even add that, that it's likely that you may never share the gospel with as many people as you do when you choose to surrender to be baptized, right? I mean, how many, how many other times are you going to be able to, to stand up out of that water essentially saying, I proclaim allegiance with Christ to this many people? It's probably unlikely you're going to do it. And that's what this is about. It's when we proclaim that we are followers of Jesus. A public declaration of our faith and our followership with Christ. That's one thing, too. Baptism does not save us. No. It's a declaration of our salvation. And hopefully, we've already been bearing the fruit of faith in Christ Hopefully, we've already been bearing the fruit of faith in our Christ. But certainly, by choosing to be baptized, this is one way that we bear fruit of Jesus. It's an opportunity for us to be obedient, to surrender to obedience to the command of Christ to be baptized. And this may not be comfortable to hear, but if you're unwilling to be baptized, then you need to, on your own, discern if this is an issue of obedience for you. Is there something in your life that makes you want to reject the idea of publicly declaring your faith? Because if so, then you're not ready for baptism, and that's okay. Now, I know that there's some people who have legitimate reasons for not wanting to get baptized up here in front of all of these people. I totally get that. And if that's the case for you, that's fine. What I would encourage you to do is gather your friends and your family and go do it at your house. Quest will bring a pastor there and and help you do it. But the thing is, is that you're submitting in obedience. You're publicly declaring to your friends and your family, and if you're here today, to your church, right? Bear the fruit of obedience. But three, this is the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit to prepare us for ministry. It's through baptism that we declare our association with the body of Christ. We're not only claiming our allegiance to Christ, but we're also claiming our allegiance to the church. And this is important because the church is who supports us, the church is who disciples us, the church is who grows us, but it's also how we give back. We also disciple the church, and we also give back to the church, and we also serve the church. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. And we do this through the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we're made ready for when we come up out of those waters. We should desire to receive that blessing. See, in our surrender to baptism, we're lifted up in the glory of Christ and anointed by the Holy Spirit. In surrender, we are lifted up. That's the picture of baptism. In surrender, we're lifted up. Today we have a really cool example of that. Kyle Joss, he's a nine-year-old boy who knows Jesus. He loves Jesus, um, and he wants to obey Jesus. And a couple of months ago, uh, he watched his dad get baptized, and he knew that he too wanted to proclaim his faith and join the body of believers in their surrender. And so this morning, this morning, we're going to let Kyle bravely lead the way in this opportunity for surrender. And as he comes, I want to invite you as well. If you're in a place where you've been following Jesus, but you haven't chosen yet to be baptized, then I want to encourage you to come forward. As he, and, and, and like, Come forward and, and get baptized this morning. We've got clothes, we've got towels, we've got um, people who will care for you and, and like make you not look you know, like you just jumped out of the shower, sort of. Don't worry about looking like a fool. Worry about 
your obedience to Christ. Boldly move past any hesitation that you have. See, I've watched people. I've watched people step out of their seats on a Sunday morning. And they've stepped into that tank in their nice clothes because they knew it was Jesus that was calling them to do it. And so if that's you today, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to begin to pray. And when I pray, I want you to come forward. And there's a couple of people, there's a whole lot of people up here this morning. But there are a couple of people who are, who will talk to you, who will pray with you, who will answer some questions that you have and give you instructions. So if that's you this morning, if you know that it's time for you to step out of your chair and come and get baptized, I want to invite you to come. Kyle, why don't you come? Josh family, come on up. I'm going to pray. And if you're ready to be baptized, then come forward. And also one more thing. If you're here and you've already been baptized, here's what I want you to do. After folks get baptized this morning and after worship, they're all going to come down front and we're going to pray for them in church. This is where you get to bless the body. I want you to stick around. Don't leave like you usually do and go get your coffee and your donut, but come and pray for the people who get baptized. This is where we get to bless them, to care for them, to, to pray for them. So afterwards, come forward as a follower of Jesus, support the body of Christ, and bless them through prayer. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your call to surrender to you. We thank you that we get to choose you. And while sometimes it may freak us out, sometimes it may, uh, there may be questions, Lord, we say, yes, we want to choose you because we know the other path, the other choice isn't near as good. It's not as fruitful. It's not right. So God, I pray for boldness this morning. I pray that we would choose you again. We would walk in obedience. We'd get up out of our seats and we'd come and we'd get baptized. God, be with us. Jesus, we thank you for your model for us, the model of surrender, the model of humility, the model of sacrifice, that you would publicly declare who you were so that we can follow you. Lord, I pray for those who are getting baptized this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Descend on them. Anoint them for the ministry that they are going to have in their life. Ministry that's going to bless the kingdom. Ministry that's going to bring the good news to the world around us, Lord. Be with us, we pray. Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.